here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, I think much of the political violence that's taking place in this country can be laid at the feet of Barack Obama and then subsequently at Joe Biden. The media, the Democrats, they want you to believe that Republicans are violent. That's pretty funny, in a sick kind of way. They point the January 6th over and over and over and over and over again. But they blow off Antifa as an idea, which is a violent criminal enterprise, as they blow up Black Lives Matter, a violent criminal Marxist enterprise, as they blow off crime in the streets and on and on. But it's time to be very, very clear. The Democrat Party is a party of violence. That's why they undermine cops. That's why they won't secure the border. That's why they let criminals out the back door after they come through the front door. And I'm talking about violent criminals. That's why gun control is aimed at law-abiding citizens. And they do next to nothing when it comes to MS-13 and homegrown gangs. And Joe Biden knows this. Because in many ways, Joe Biden is a mobster. You heard that correctly. The President of the United States can do a lot to secure the border. The power drops to him. The President can do a lot of, lot of things to protect our cities and our neighborhoods, but he won't. He talks tough. He does nothing. But one of the things a president shouldn't do is pour fuel on the fire. The fire that he already started and his former boss Obama started. This constant talk about how voting rights are being taken away from people, that half the country, that half the country doesn't believe in democracy, that the white population 
is a privileged, dominant population filled with MAGA types who are, of course, right-wingers like neo-Nazis and Klansmen. His rhetoric, his propaganda, his hate speech, if you will, is a, is a vile attack on this society. And he does it because he is a fool. He's always been a dumb guy. He's always been a street thug. He's always lied repeatedly, as he did yesterday in some Alabama. And nobody plays the race card and gets away with it as easily and as repeatedly as Joe Biden. Whether he was using it as a backbencher senator to get reelected in Delaware... Or now, he's moved from an anti-black racist to an anti-white racist, as has most of the Democrat Party. Rather than promoting Americanism, a civil society, rather than promoting law and order, equal justice rather than equity, and we'll get to that later. Joe Biden is a font for all that's wrong with this country and the radicalism that's taken hold in this country. He's no moderate. He's no centrist. He's a smirking, stupid, political hack. That's what he is. And there he is in Summa, Alabama. Saying things yet again that are inflammatory and provocative for which he takes no heat from the corrupt radical left, dishonest media in this country. Here's what he said yesterday on the anniversary of the events that took place in Selma. Cut one, go. The right to vote, to have your vote counted, is the threshold of democracy and liberty. With it, anything's possible. Without it, without that right, nothing is possible. And this fundamental right remains under assault. Conservative Supreme Court has gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years. All right, let's stop this for a second. It has gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years. The Voting Rights Act was passed in 1965. Over half a century ago. There are different elements to the Voting Rights Act. If you are an individual who's been intimidated, threatened, otherwise prevented from voting based on your race, ethnicity, or nationality, you have a federal cause of action under the 1965 voting rights, which the Democrats filibustered. You still have an individual right. The Supreme Court didn't touch it. A few years back, what the Supreme Court did was they said, as to another aspect of the Voting Rights Act, you have all these states and counties, including counties in Pennsylvania and New York and other counties, which you've pulled under and are under the Voting Rights Act of 1965 with the federal government has authority over these states and over these counties. 
anytime these states or counties want to adjust their voting systems or go through their voting rolls, they need to get federal approval. Federal approval. And that was due to the fact that you had Jim Crow, that is, literacy tests, poll taxes, all kinds of stuff going on to actually prevent people from voting, black people, mostly. So a few years back, the Supreme Court looked at this and said, well, what exactly are these states that are under the thumb of the federal government and have been for half a century? What are they doing that violates the Voting Rights Act? I mean, the Department of Justice, as well as people following amicus or friend of the court briefs, had every opportunity to say what they saw and to provide evidence and so forth, but the federal government had no evidence. It had no evidence of racial, ethnic, or national discrimination. And so the court said, this part of the 1965 Civil Rights Act doesn't apply anymore. That the federal government can't just wave it around. The federal government has to provide substantive evidence to a court to demonstrate that this is the case, and you have failed to do that. So if it's ubiquitous, if it's a real problem, where's your evidence? They didn't have any. And so the court said, well, until you have evidence, you can come back. But these states are no longer under the thumb of the federal government. When Joe Biden's out there screaming at the top of his lungs that the Supreme Court has, quote-unquote, gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years, they haven't gutted anything. Where are all the individuals that have individual federal civil rights claims under the 1965 Voting Rights Act? How come the Department of Justice isn't bringing all those cases? Because all those cases, quote-unquote, don't exist. Maybe here and there. But they're the exception to the rule. In other words, we've come a long way as a country. And rather than celebrate that, Joe Biden takes a knife to the back of this society. The conservative Supreme Court has gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years. This is several years ago, before this court even existed. That's why he throws in the line over the years. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. Since the 2020 election, a wave of states and dozens, dozens of anti-voting laws fueled by the big lie and the election deniers now elected to office. Now, you see, ladies and gentlemen, he can't point to a single state a single state that has denied the vote to its citizens. He says dozens of anti-voting laws. What he means is they have passed laws to tighten up their roles. But when you look at Georgia, which is what they targeted, and he doesn't mention Georgia by name, does he? There are more minorities, including black people, who voted in the last election than before Georgia changed its election laws. 
These election laws aren't aimed at preventing black people or minorities from voting. They're aimed at preventing people who are not allowed to vote from voting. Or voting more often than once. Really, these election laws are aimed at Joe Biden and the Democrat Party. That keeps trying to change the election system to, to eliminate proper procedures, oversight, challenges. And so what Joe Biden is really saying is you have state legislatures and the Supreme Court pushing back against me and the Democrat Party that you don't have you don't have vigorous voting unless we win. Go ahead. The new law here in Alabama among other things enacted a new congressional map that discriminated against black voters by failing to include what should have been a new predominantly black district. Now, you know what's interesting about this, America? Republicans don't really mind predominantly black districts. Do you know why? Anybody know why? Because it concentrates black voters in a district or two districts or three districts rather than Black voters being placed in districts that turn a Republican district into a marginal Republican or purple district. And so when most of these challenges are made to redistricting, not all, but most, when most of them are made, it's the Democrat Party that's sued. Because the Democrat Party wants to weaken Republican districts by having more black or Hispanic or Asian, whatever they think, voters in Republican districts, pushing them further and further out to the suburbs in terms of the districts. So it's the Democrat Party that largely fights against uh, having black voters clustered into these districts. And it's the Republican Party... And you'll have like the NAACP, Legal Defense Fund, and others that are fighting, oddly enough, on the same side against the Democrat Party. So there he is, yelling at the top of his lungs, another second huge lie about who motivates what and who's behind what. Joe Biden is a thug. He's always been a thug. And he always will be a thug. So he lies about the Voting Rights Act. He lies about these these largely black congressional districts and who doesn't want to see them. He projects the bigotry of the Democrat Party, whether it's 40 years ago or today, onto society. And he's down there screaming at the top of his lungs and there's not a single news organization that challenges them on substance, not one. They don't bring in their phony legal analysts or phony constitutional experts, not one. Chuck Todd, why didn't you address this? I wasn't on then. Well, address it today. I did. More broadly, NBC and ABC and CBS, New York Times, Maggot Haberman, why didn't you address this? And all the others. 
Jeremy and his Peters. Phil Bump. None of them address this. More when I return. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Joe Biden lives a lie. He is a lie. Whether it's his corruption and his family, whether it's politics, whether it's his own life. Again, here he is in Selma, Alabama yesterday. Cut to go. I was a student up north in the civil rights movement. I remember feeling how guilty I was. I wasn't here. How could we all be up there? And you going through what you went through, looking at those, I can still picture, and still picture the troopers with their batons and wands and whips. Is that true, ladies and gentlemen, that he was involved in the civil rights movement up north? Isn't it true that he found all this so awful when he made friends and mentors with people who were behind those batons and whips? He bragged about his support from George Wallace. Last time I checked, that's Selma, Alabama. He bragged about his close association with James Eastland, who was the leading racist and segregationist in the United States Senate at the time. And I don't mean he was just a young man who cozied up to them. He was involved in their efforts. But then he says he was involved in the civil rights movement. Is that true? Let's explore that when I return. I'll be right back. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Joe Biden again, 
Was he, in fact, a civil rights activist during the 1960s? He said he was yesterday. Cut to go. I was a student up north in the civil rights movement. I remember feeling how guilty I was. I wasn't here. How could we all be up there? And you going through what you went through, looking at those. I can still picture, and still picture the troopers with their batons and wands and whips. He got over it rather quickly, though, when he got elected to the Senate. And uh, he was enamored by a couple senators from Mississippi and Alabama. And he was enamored by George Wallace when he decided the first time to run for president, Republican, excuse me, the Democrat primary, often quoting Wallace's quote about him in a very positive way. And the records show he worked very closely with James Eastland and John Stennis of Mississippi. In other words, Joe Biden was a racist and a segregationist. But before that, he says, he was in the civil rights movement. He was very upset about what he saw. And yet, when the media actually did some actual work, when they used to actually do fact-checking on Joe Biden, it was a full-time job. Lied about his academic record. Lied about scholarships. uh, Lied about everything. Plagiarized, you know, Connick, the head of the Labor Party in Britain, plagiarized the late Robert Kennedy. I mean, still stole the words syllable by syllable. But here he was in 1987, and he was confronted, and he had to tell the truth. Hat tip, red state, cut three, go. During the 60s, I was, in fact, very concerned about the civil rights movement. I was not an activist. I worked at an all-black swimming pool in the east side of Wilmington, Delaware. I was involved. I was involved in what what they were thinking. All right, there you go. So he worked at an all-black swimming pool. So he was involved. We know about that history. Corn pop. Uh told some black guy to get away from a car, called him Elizabeth or something, and then was told, you know, they're waiting for you out there. So Big Tough Joe had a chain with him to scare them off. This guy doesn't have a wild imagination. He's a nut. But that's okay by the Democrats in the media. A nut's better than anything else, you know. And so we have this, and it's amazing how Uh, This was not pointed out in any of the major corrupt media outlets that Joe Biden has lied repeatedly about his so-called civil rights concerns and background. And in fact, Joe Biden has a record, a provable, unequivocal record as a racist and a segregationist, certainly early in his life. And now he's a racist again, but of a different sort. He's lying about the court gutting the fundamental rights of the Voting Rights Act, uh, which is a flat-out lie, and that, uh, you know, Republicans are opposed to these black districts because, uh, because they're black, which, in fact, is not true. Actually helps Republicans because from a uh, just a hard-knuckled redistricting 
effort. Um, if you keep more Democrat voters in one district or likely Democrat voters in one district and don't put them in other districts, uh, that helps the Republican Party. That's the truth, and everybody knows it. So it doesn't even make any sense. Doesn't even make any sense. But he was down in Selma, and he kept talking about himself. I'm not going to get into all of it. About his illnesses, about a snowstorm, about his cranial aneurysm that he had. Nobody understands why he's getting into this. Um, but he got into it anyway. You know, my wife Julie and I were at CPAC on Saturday. And uh, I don't think we were there last year. One of us was sick. But we were there this year. And I want to thank them. They asked us to come and and uh, we're on stage together. She asked me some questions that I don't know in advance, and I give answers. And it's always a pleasure to be there, as it was this time. Despite the best efforts of the media and the Democrat Party, but particularly the media, to smear all the people who showed up there. There's all kinds of young people who come from all over the country. They cobble together enough money to get there, to stay at a hotel for four or five days. Lots of them stay across the street at the residence inn. They're not at the more expensive hotel. They're earnest people. They're not what they want you to think they are. And they say Ronald Reagan wouldn't be welcome there. Yes, Ronald Reagan would have been welcome there. There's no question about it. But there's also no question that the most popular person who was there was Trump. Because he was there. And he made an effort to be there. And he spoke for an hour and 45 minutes. He doesn't just blow you off. Um, he called my name out several times. My wife wants other people as well. And uh, it was very nice of him. I don't have any control over that, but that was very nice of them. But it was a very nice event with a lot of patriots. Except for one thing that took place. And I don't know that I've told any of you folks this. Well, I haven't. It's Monday. I'm walking down the hallway <clears throat> at the Gaylord Hotel with my mother-in-law on my arm. And about eight punks come up behind me, Mr. Producer, in America. And all of their videos are going on their iPhones. So what's this, a gaggle of phony independent reporters? And I turn around and the guy says to me, what do you think of Nick Fuentes? So they were Fuentes supporters. And I said something I can't say on the radio. I, I think I said he's an a-hole. And a bigot and an anti-Semite or something like that. And they said, why do you think that? And I laughed. And then the ringleader of the eight said, who owns the media, Mr. Levin? I said, well, obviously it must be the Jews since you guys are here. Bingo, you got it right. I said, yes. Rupert Murdoch's a well-known Jew. Of course, he's not Jewish. They said, but he's a Zionist. <laughs> you make your money from Zionists. You make money on your books from Zionists. Are all of you people out there who buy my books, are you all Jewish? 
And it started with the Jew this and the Jew that and the Jew this and the Jew that. There was no security around me, none whatsoever. So I continued to walk a bit with my mother-in-law. I didn't want her to get involved in this. And so the guy, the ringleader, puts his little iPhone in my face, so I slap it down. He says, you, you attacked me, you attacked me. Excuse <clears throat> me, you hit my... My iPhone, I said, yes, I did hit your iPhone. And I turned around, and this part, somebody sent me their posting. This part was cut out of their posting, America. And I took my finger, and I pointed it into each one of their faces, and I dare them to post this. I dare these coward bastards to promote, to post this. One after another, if I pointed it, I said that they're cowards. I said that they would never dare approach me alone because I would kick their ass. These are punks, young punks wearing, they're wearing sunglasses like they're cool, you know, and bandettas and all kinds of stuff. And they just kind of went away. I got to thinking, I hit one of these kids, I'm going to lose everything. And let me tell you, I was grinding my teeth. I figured, all right, there's eight of them. I could probably take out three of them before the fourth. I'm, I'm quite serious, before the fourth one would even be able to do anything. And that was that. So that was part of it, Mr. Producer. What do you think of that? Oh, boy. Yeah. I think when I'm... When I have my wife, my mother-in-law with me, there ought to be at least one guy walking with us. But I'll tell you what else is interesting. I won't mention their names. There were a couple of guys with us who you folks would know, especially one. When it started, he hightailed out of there so fast it wasn't funny. And got on the escalator and got the hell out of there. It kind of shocked me. But I'm not, you know put up with this crap turns out across the street at the residence in <clears throat> excuse me cholera there had been a Shabbat event lunch and dinner with uh, with a large Jewish group and uh, many of them were staying at the residence in and so forth which is very nice and the people there are very nice and so Fuentes and his group rented out sort of a smaller ballroom there. These are all neo-Nazis, you understand. And to match Slap's credit, when Fuentes tried to come into CPAC, he had him thrown out. So they were not permitted to be there. First Amendment, First Amendment has nothing to do with this. This isn't the government. You have a right to be an a-hole. You don't have a right to be a neo-Nazi in somebody's event. Those rights don't exist. Any more than they have a right to come to your home, they don't have a right to come to your event. So that said, they purposely did that because of all the Jewish people who were staying at the residence inn. And so... To make a long story short, the police officers came to the residence in because they could tell that these people were there for 
confrontational reasons. But I have to say this. There were a lot of strong young Jewish kids among those people. That, that, in other words, they were not going to cower. They were not going to back down. They were not going to put up with this any more than I was. But it is very strange. <clears throat> it's not the first time something like this has happened. Most of the threats I've gotten over the years have been from neo-Nazis and Klansmen, stormfront groups and stuff like that. And there they are again. Coming out of nowhere. It's like they came back from behind the poles or posts or whatever and they just sort of showed up. But they were not welcome there. And so the best efforts of the media to try and tie young people in the conservative movement, politicians in the conservative movement, and CPAC to these people is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Because these are radical leftists that work in the media, and it is conservatives, constitutional conservatives, that respect the individual and individual freedom and reject the neo-Nazis and the Klansmen who grew out of the Democrat Party. Who grew out of the Democrat Party. They didn't grow out of the constitutional conservative movement of which I'm one of the founders. That never happened. They didn't grow out of the Tea Party movement which believes in unalienable rights for all people. But they try and do this all the time. So the Democrat Party, which has never embraced Americanism, it's embraced racism and segregation, it's embraced eugenics, it embraces abortion on demand, which happens mostly in minority communities. It embraces Marxism and anti-Americanism and new forms of racism, whether it's against Asians at Harvard and so forth and so on. This is how they try to turn the tables. Now, I listened carefully, as did others, to Donald Trump's speech. It was actually an outstanding speech. An outstanding speech. He didn't attack any Republican opponents and was quite substantive. And it's clear that he respects the audience and he respects his voters. And that place was packed. I saw one report that said it was empty in the back. No, it wasn't. People couldn't get in. It was packed. Not the whole CPAC event. And by the way, it was packed with my wife and me. I saw somebody write, no, it was packed. Some people couldn't pack the place. Trump did pack the place. There was also a broadside attack on Fox News. And I have to admit, I'm a little sick and tired of this. These attacks from the hard left and some of our folks. You don't have to agree with everything that Fox does and says. You don't have to agree with everything that I say and do. But if we didn't have Fox, you wouldn't have me on TV. You wouldn't have Sean Hannity on TV. You wouldn't have Tucker Carlson. You wouldn't have uh, Rachel Duffy. You wouldn't have Pete Hegseth. You wouldn't have Will Cain. You wouldn't have uh, Carlson, Tucker Carlson. You wouldn't have Laura Ingram. You wouldn't have, and I'm missing a lot of names, all these people. Which, who you watch. You wouldn't have them. So it's one thing for some bomb throwers to, to be talking like this. And I didn't attack anybody personally, and I didn't purposely. 
but media I couldn't control it. Some some guy named Hal apparently worked at one point for the Blaze. Took a big step down working for media. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. I will not be running in the Republican primary for the presidential nomination. I know there was a juggernaut forming behind the man, around the man, beneath the man, but you folks will have to find somebody else to support because this profoundly, you know, fantastic record of accomplishment left and right in in Maryland will now go to want, that is, It'll have to stay within the borders of Maryland. Nobody knows exactly what he did. Nobody knows exactly why he would run for president. I had raised questions myself. Then there is Chris Sununu. He, uh, he's the vanity candidate. He is of a long line of Sununus. Uh, you might remember his father, very very good man in many ways. I never met him, I don't believe, but he was responsible for the appointment of Justice Souter who was a cancer on the Supreme Court for a few decades. And also a strange dude, you want to know the truth. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. Now, broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Lots to get to. Bernie Sanders. You may have heard this, but you haven't heard me discuss it. And since we talk about this a lot, and I've written about it a lot, I just assume it really hasn't been discussed the way it needs to be discussed by the backbenchers. Anyway, Bernie Sanders is on real time with Bill Maher. And he's asked, of course, what's the difference between equality and equity? 
Cut 15, go. Are we confusing equality of opportunity with trying to guarantee equity and outcomes? Okay, that's interesting because I think this word equity has come into the language in the last few years. And before that, we didn't hear it a lot. And I think a lot of people hear equity and they hear equality. That like it's the same word. And it's not the same word in the same concept. So how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about... Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome, is it not? I yeah, think- I think so. I think that's okay. Right. So, which do you come? Which side do you come down on? Uh, equality. Equality. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. I guarantee you. Uh- He's got an earful since being on that program because we all know here what equity means. Equity does not mean equality. You know, your antenna should go up as soon as a word just keeps appearing and appearing and reappearing, particularly in executive orders. Now, two massive executive orders by Joe Biden where the word equity shows up scores of times uh, in the aggregate. Equity means discrimination. Equality is the opposite of discrimination. Equal justice under the law. Equality. Equity means certain people are going to be privileged because certain people are born into life at different levels or with different skin color or with different ethnicities. And so the government, or a corporation, or whatever, is going to ensure that there's equity. That is, that there is an affirmative step taken to further enrich them, to put them at the front of the line, uh, to dumb down other people who might be more successful or be receiving merit awards and that sort of thing. So equity is uh, really a notorious concept. It is a vile and vicious concept that comes right out of Marxism. Equity is not about equality. Equity is about the government or a corporation or whatever making decisions that have nothing to do with merit and everything to do with Uh, issuing financial rewards or positions and so forth based on your race. It's the resegregation of America. That's what equity is, in a a word, resegregation. And you see this all around you. Equity is uh, diabolical. Equity is a poison to a system. And they use these words to disguise their true motives. And so it's the changing of the language that we talked about before, which is what totalitarian regimes do. And you must use their language and not other language. Now, it's strange to me that Bernie Sanders wouldn't know what this word means. And I think the reason is, just taking a shot at it, is because he's, he's used to using the word equality as equity, even though he means equity. But that's his 
That's the defect of his thinking and arguments. It's not reality. Now, equality without liberty is tyranny. You know why? Because equality without liberty... Let me try this definition on, because I think it works. As I sit here and think this through and talk it through with you. Equality without liberty is equity. That's the ticket. Equality without liberty is equity. Because then... Equality means equity. Am I making any sense, Mr. Producer? Liberty is the right of an individual to be unmolested by government. That government has a very limited role, law and order, safety, uh, and so forth and so on. But in terms of your personal life, this is why most of us believe in live and let live, but don't force your lifestyle down our throats or brainwash our children. If you want to cut something off, great. If you want to add something, that's up to you. But don't take our children behind our backs and promote it or do it. Then you've crossed a line, a big line. Now that aside, as I'm saying, I think we can define equity as follows one more time. Equity is equality without liberty. Because equality without liberty is totalitarianism. And that's in the end what equity is. Equity is some rulemaking, lawmaking, powerful source, whether it's a corporation, whether it's the government, whether it's whatever it is, uh, determining who gets what, pretty much, and how to measure outcomes. It's certainly not about liberty. So equality without liberty is equity. And I would encourage backbenchers near and far to to repeat that. Now, one of the things I am hearing more and more of, and we heard at CPAC, was the use of the word Marxism. This is very, very critical. It's imperative. You cannot confront or challenge a threat if you don't know what it is. And during the course of his speech, all this has been ignored. Donald Trump said that the Democrats have skipped over socialism and they're now embracing Marxism and communism. That was a crucially important statement that got no attention whatsoever because it's true. The way they cherry-pick a state. And by the way, all these people in and around Washington, working at these various networks and so forth. It's amazing. You comment on clips and cherry-picked phrases that he made or others made, but you didn't go to CPAC and watch it for yourself. The hour and 45-minute speech. So you're really not covering news. You're not really not reporting news. You're regurgitating what somebody else thought was important, and typically it's an attack And that's your so-called news. It's ridiculous. So equity is, is part of this whole American Marxism movement. It sounds great. We had Mike Gonzalez on Life, Liberty, and Levin the other week. He was explaining this. It's like diversity. What do they mean by diversity? They don't mean diversity by diversity. 
they mean anything goes but the white dominant culture and white privilege. So they don't mean diversity. And they don't mean real equality with liberty when they talk about equity. And when they use the word inclusion, they mean exclusion. How many times have I said, when you look at the names on these departments in Washington, the Department of Energy, the real name should be the Department Against Energy. The Department of Education is the Department Against Education, and on and on and on. Most of these departments do the opposite of what they, of what they claim to be. They exist to put their private sector alternative or parallel out of business or to hamstring it with these kind of Rube Goldberg kind of regulations and rules and taxes and so forth. Well, it's the same with the language that the Marxists used, the People's Republic of this, that, and the other. When the people have no say whatsoever, the people are enslaved to the state. There is no free will. There is no individual liberty. There are no unalienable rights. The only right you have is what the government decides you can do, and, and that's not a lot. They attack free speech, freedom of association, the right to practice your faith. So what do they mean when they say the People's Republic of China, or the people's this, or the people's that? They mean the opposite of it. What do they mean when they say diversity? They mean the opposite of diversity. What do they mean when they say inclusion? They mean the opposite of inclusion. They mean that everybody will do what they tell them to do without debate, without speech, without competition of ideas, period. Period. And yet now we have these so-called officers, executives and managers who make these enormous salaries throughout our society and human resources departments and executive vice presidents at colleges and universities and in various businesses and everywhere enforcing Marxist propaganda, Marxist language, and Marxist ideology. That's what they're doing. Now, I guess this is a little too sophisticated for uh, Bernie Sanders, but I, I don't really think so. I just think he has always viewed equality as equity from his perspective. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. 
Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L E V I N Podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I want to take a little turn here. FBI offers $50,000 reward for return of four kidnapped Americans, NBC News. The FBI is offering $50,000. Been kidnapped at gunpoint during an attack in Mexico. I'm sure you've now seen the video over and over again on Friday. We learn about this today. Uh, that also led to the death of an American of a Mexican citizen. A U.S. senior official told NBC on Monday that the Americans did not cross the border for any criminal purpose. Four Americans drove into Matamoros in a white minivan with North Carolina plates on Friday. The FBI said in a statement, Matamoros is just south of Brownsville, Texas. They were literally about a mile from the border. The gunmen herded the four U.S. citizens into another vehicle and fled the scene with them. It's not what I saw. I saw three of them were utterly unconscious and thrown into the back of that thrown into the back of the uh, van like the, like like uh, like uh, sacks of potatoes. Didn't, isn't that what it looked like to you, Mr. Producer? One guy, they were dragging, they looked unconscious, and, and the only, I only saw one conscious person. U.S. Ambassador to Mexico, Ken Salazar, said money in a statement that an innocent Mexican citizen was tragically killed. Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, this guy's useless, said the Americans were in the country to buy medicine. There are people from the United States who crossed the border to buy medicines, and there was a confrontation between groups. The matter is looked into. I think it will be resolved, he said. Uh, it's not uncommon for Americans to cross the southern border for cheaper medication. Uh, I don't recommend it. Spokesperson with the National Security Council said in a statement today the kidnappings were unacceptable. So we give them, we're offering $50,000. Does anybody think that's going to fly? And it's unacceptable. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think that's how Donald Trump would respond to this? Do you think that's how Ron DeSantis would respond to this? I, I, I'm just saying something to you. You know what I would do? I would give this cartel 24 hours to return those citizens to the United States, or I'd set my jets over there, and I would hit their their main headquarters and other routes. I'd pound the absolute S-H-O-T out of them. Because this could become a habit. This could become a pattern. They kill 100,000 of our citizens, young people, every damn year. With the fentanyl. A hundred thousand. And we blow it off. And the moron who. Uh, the putative president of the United States. Barely even talks about it. Just like he barely talks about communist China. You know what? The f- second gentleman. Why, do we have a first gentleman? The second gentleman talks about masculine toxicity. We need a little bit more masculinity. A little bit more masculinity. That's right, I said it. 
to deal with these mass murdering thugs. They're killing Americans by the tens of thousands. Now they're just grabbing people who are a mile from our border in daylight. Well, maybe they shouldn't have been. I don't care. No excuses. No excuses. Well, the FBI is offering $50,000 for the return of the four kidnapped. $50,000. These are drug cartels, for God's sakes. They make that in 30 seconds. Kind of a stupid thing is that? President of the United States, such as he is, should get behind the damn microphone. Whoever writes his crap should write, this is a direct message to the -the fill-in-the-blank cartel. You either return those four kidnapped Americans alive and well, or we're going to blow your little headquarters off the face of the earth. 24 hours. That's it. We're not sending in the FBI. We're not sending in the DEA. We're not sending in the Marines. We're going to pound the crap out of them. Because this is a war on American citizens. This is why we have the damn federal government. Not to tell us what to drink and eat and where are the vaccines and where we... No. This is why we have a federal government. What do you think Theodore Roosevelt would do? I'm quite serious. Oh, Mark. Oh, Mark. You're such a warmonger and a neo. I'm an American citizen, red-blooded. You have a narco state south of our border. It's what it is. It's a narco state. Eh, we'll give him $50,000 reward. Return, you know. What are you talking about? You give them an ultimatum. That's it. You give them an ultimatum and let the world watch. You give us our people back. They better not be harmed. And you give them back in 24 hours or a blow on your little little operation off the face of the earth. There you go. I'll be right back. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ever notice how you come across somebody once in a while that you shouldn't have messed with? That's Mark. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. Gavin Newsom 
has uh, helped to destroy the once great state of California. He is actually a very stupid man. Uh, still puts grease in his hair. You think Adam Schiff is a pencil neck, as Rush used to call him. Um, I think Newsom wins that by at least four inches. But let me show you what a coward and fraud this man is. And ABC News thinks this is so important, it's his second top news story on its site. California Governor Gavin Newsom announced today the state will not be doing business with Walgreens Boots Alliance over its decision not to dispense an abortion pill. Last week, the national pharmacy chain said it would not distribute Mifeprostin in 20 states after conservative attorneys general threatened legal action. In a tweet, Newsom criticized his decision, writing, California won't be doing business with Walgreens or any company that cowers to the extremists and puts women's lives at risk. We're done. Now, that is how a fool speaks. That is how a fool speaks. They're not going to sell these pills. That doesn't mean women in California can't get abortions. But this company is taking a neutral position on the issue. It's not taking a position on abortion. It's saying we're not selling these pills. We're not getting involved in this. But for Gavin Newsom, apparently every would-be childbearing woman is at risk. Putting women's lives at risk. You know, it's interesting. One statistic that's never made available, at least not in a very significant way, so that we could all just say it off the tip of our tongues, is how many women actually are denied abortions and then die? Do we know that number, Mr. Producer? Is it even a statistic they keep? Because it's a line that people like Gavin Newsom use all the time. Gavin Newsom, who cheated on his wife, and I'm not talking about Kimberly, with the wife of his chief of staff, I believe. It's a man of great moral fortitude, standing for women, of course. Now, what does this do to the people of California? I mean, maybe Walgreens will say, you know what, we've had it with California. We're going to get the hell out of here. Our stores are robbed left and right. We can't make any money given the tax rates here in this state. We're going to leave here like everybody else who has two brain cells to rub together is doing. If they can, we're leaving California. This is a guy's busy banning stuff. All right, we're going to ban Walgreens from any help. We're going to ban, uh, you know, gasoline engines. We're going to ba- shut up, you idiot, you moron. And by the way, as far as fossil fuels go, where do you think that grease comes that you can put in your hair? Where do you think that comes from, you jerk? Comes from petroleum oil. Little dabble, do you, dummy? So Walgreens should say thank you and goodbye. Don't worry, there'll be plenty of abortion bills and uh, pills in the state of California. 
just like there's going to be plenty of IOUs, plenty of illegal immigrants, plenty of crime, plenty of homeless. Who wants to listen to this jackass? He wants to be president of the United States. Can you imagine? And yet he'll probably get 70 million votes if he runs. Democrat with the spittle coming down the chin. Anyway, uh, there you have it. Which was once the greatest state in the nation. And look, I'm not even a Californian. It was the greatest state in the nation. It was the place to go if you wanted to start a business. It was the place to go if you're an entrepreneur. Somebody who loved liberty. It was the Florida of its day. Let me put it to you that way. Taxes were low. Regulations were low. The population was booming. People wanted to be in California. They wanted to be there for the weather. They wanted to be there for the, for the scenery. They wanted to be in California. Now everybody's, how the hell do I get out of here? That's your Democrat party right there. And then they want him to be president, Gavin Newsom. Why not? We had Obama, who'd accomplished absolutely nothing in his life. We have Biden, who's even worse in terms of accomplishments. The guy uh, shuffles along, bumps his head, can't walk up steps. Hey, 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 he's, he's a good guy. And now we have Newsom, who is a proven, complete disaster. It's the same party that nominated John Kerry, for God's sakes. So there's Gavin Newsom. And we're done with uh, Walgreens. Maybe Walgreens is done with you, you moron. And this is their one issue. Abortion on demand. The Democrats in Congress voted against saving the lives of babies who survived abortions. I want you to think about that. They're so extreme. And they support abortions that rip babies apart right up to the end. You heard Representative Buck talk about this. I've talked about it. But he didn't even get into all the detail. This massive syringe that's stuck into the soft part of the top of the head of the baby. And they suck the brains out. I mean, there's babies being tortured, torn to pieces. And they talk about the woman's life? What are they talking about? The Democrats don't give a crap about anybody except people who they think are going to vote for them. Then they'll put in public policies to redistribute wealth to their supporters. They'll have open borders if they think people pouring in one day vote for them, and they're trying to make sure they will without voter ID. And It's amazing, the media. Can you prove to us that these votes were... Li- How can I prove it when all the... All the barriers and all the protections have been removed. What do you want me to prove exactly? Well, you said they voted illegally. So they take the ability to prove, the ability to gather evidence away, or they enshrine the fraud, and then they say, can you prove it? Can you prove it? I can prove it. Virtually every list of voters, these, la- these massive voter rolls in Democrat states are not cleaned up. And whenever there's lawsuits brought by conservative groups to force them to clean it up, They resist. They fight it. Now, why would you fight that? Unless you're corrupt. Voter ID, the whole thing. Why would you fight that unless you're corrupt? Joe Biden says voting's under attack. Joe Biden never talks about ensuring that only people who can vote vote. That is, people who are supposed to vote. 
Why? Because if people are voting more than once, or they're voting illegally, or they're illegally here and they shouldn't vote, it cancels your vote. It undermines the franchise. It doesn't expand it. Pretty grotesque. But Gavin Newsom. Now, speaking of California, NBC News, California's reparations task force aims to ignite a national paradigm shift. A massive redistribution of wealth from people whose ancestors never owned slaves to people who were never slaves. What does that solve? Equity. Oh, equity. I forgot. It's equity. Equity. And if this were to occur, just like, you know, you would need to have another reparation 50 years from now because that one wasn't enough. It didn't work. A task force set to discuss and issue recommendations about California's debt to the descendants of enslaved people. What kind of a sentence is this by Curtis Bunn, B-U-N-N? Did you work at the Bunn, Curtis? In Germany? The Bunn? Because you write like an idiot. Task Force set to discuss and issue recommendations about California's debt to the descendants of enslaved people. California never officially had slavery. Now, there may have been slaves there. California wasn't a slave state. doesn't matter. They kicked off a two-day public hearing on Friday. It was clear that the members and public in attendance were hopeful its impact could reach beyond the state's border. We have a national movement coming out of California. What better? I remember when we had a Proposition 13 come out of California, and it was the, uh, the tax cut revolt before there was a tax cut revolt. Remember all that? Now we have other things coming out of California. Most of it lousy. The most populous state in the country is attempting to carve a pathway to reparations through the nine-member group. The comprehensive set of recommendations expected to be released by January 1. Then you have all the blue states, like the schmuck governor in Illinois and the schmuck governor in uh, New York and the schmuck governor in New Jersey. Go down the list of these dark blue states. They're all, they're all going to now compete. They're all going to now compete. Wow, we don't want to be behind California. We've got we to gotta get in front of them. This is an historic moment, not only for Californians, but Americans at large, said Maureen Simmons, who's an intern for Assembly Member Shirley Weber, completed research that led to AB 3121, the bill to create the Reparations Task Force in California. While other cities like Evanston, Illinois, and Providence, Rhode Island, have established reparations for slavery and racial terror, Simmons said she's convinced California's Herculean effort will act as a model that will set the tone for what reparations should be like here across the U.S. And then I asked myself, and I've asked you, and some of the backbenchers have actually figured out what I'm trying to explain. If anybody has to pay reparations, it's the Democrat Party. How do they get away with this? How do they get away with this? Backing slavery and segregation. How do they get away with this? P. 
people tearing down monuments, and yet the Democrat Party, the name survives, their headquarters survives, their party survives, and people who are rioting against what the Democrat Party did, they vote Democrat. How do they get away with this? The media, that's how. Corrupt. Made up of the same mindset, the same people, the same ilk. Have you noticed that the same people who spoke ceaselessly about the contaminated drinking water in Flint, Michigan, are largely silent about the environmental catastrophe in East Palestine? Have you thought about that? Where are the social activists? Where are the so-called environmentalists? Where are the corrupt media? Truth is, they don't care. They don't care because this disaster happened in an area that doesn't fit their narrative, as I've been saying. I'll be right back. Mark Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. My buddy Joel Pollack over there at Breitbart, he says the difference between Newsom and DeSantis is that DeSantis declares an emergency before a storm. Newsom declares an emergency a week after a storm. Joel is sharp. And he also tells me this. Uh, I think Joel's still out there in California. Let's see here. Breitbart reports as following. I'm just pulling it up here. Joel does. California Governor Newsom reportedly left the state during the blizzard emergency for a personal trip to Baja, California, according to a spokesperson quoted by the San Francisco Chronicle's Emily Hoven. He was on a personal trip to Baja, California. You know, he's sort of the Pete Buttigieg of governors. Have you noticed? It's not immediately clear where Newsom had gone, though he has previously vacationed in Cabo San Lucas. Newsom belatedly declared a state of the emergency last Wednesday, a week after the storm swept the state, trapping thousands of residents and visitors in California's mountain communities. He then left California, apparently on Thursday, before returning around midday on Sunday. He later claimed to have been working today on Sunday, though a photo of his watch showed him working during the evening. While Newsom was away, communities continued to struggle with shortages of food, fuel, and medicine. The California National Guard troops that Newsom had mobilized failed to reach several mountain communities. But apparently Newsom met the, met, uh, made it to the community he wanted to go to. Newsom has drawn criticism for previous vacations. 
2022, he vacationed in Montana despite a state ban on travel to socially conservative jurisdictions. He used state-provided security in defiance of the state ban. 2021, he extended California's state of emergency for coronavirus, then spent Thanksgiving at a villa in Cabo San Lucas uh, that he had rented from a Russian oligarch who had previously pleaded guilty to tax fraud. 2020, Newsom dined with lobbyists, as we know at this place, called the French Laundry. You know, not being in California, French Laundry. Would you name a restaurant French Laundry or laundry of any kind, Mr. Producer? French Laundry. Might as well call it Dirty Laundry. The damn French never shower. Have you noticed that, America? They never shower. And no offense, but many Europeans, when they're in Europe, don't shower. No offense. No offense. None given. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. There's a lot to go through still this hour on the cover-up respecting the pandemic. Cover-up at CNN. CNN keeps attacking Fox for its credibility. CNN has no credibility. They have no audience. They have no purpose. Of course, the New York Times and the Washington Post cover for the left all the time. Credibility crisis writes Fox.com, foxnews.com. CNN boss ordered staff not to chase down COVID lab leak theory as pandemic unfolded. Then CNN President Jeff Zucker considered the lab leak theory a Trump talking point, quote-unquote, according to an insider. CNN has long referred to itself as the most trusted name in news. Uh and famously launched its Facts First campaign during the Trump era. But like many other outlets, that sentiment fell by the wayside when it came to the COVID lab leak theory. I would argue reality. In recent days, the theory 
uh, has been embraced by FBI Director Christopher Wray, and a bombshell report indicated that the U.S. Energy Department believes the virus likely started in the lab. A sentiment expressed by top Trump administration officials nearly from the outset. But in the early months of the pandemic, then-CNN President Jeff Zucker would not allow his network to chase down the lab leak story because he believed it was, quote, a Trump talking point, according to a well-placed CNN insider. This is why this unusual-looking moron, Jeff Mother Zucker, needed to go a long time ago. People are slowly waking up from the fog, the insider told Fox News Digital. It's a kind of, it's, it's a kind of crazy that we didn't chase it harder. Throughout Zucker's tenure as CNN's chief, he pulled what was once widely seen as a straight news organization into an anti-Trump operation. CNN bent over backwards to knock down what former President Trump and members of administration said lending credibility to the lab leak as the White House was deemed a nemesis by the network. On March 8, 2020, CNN's Oliver Darcy published a story headlined, Here's How to Debunk Coronavirus Misinformation and Conspiracy Theories from Friends and Family, that offered advice about dealing with pesky loved ones who didn't believe in mainstream COVID-19 narratives at the time. While the coronavirus pandemic has isolated family and friends inside their homes, it has in many cases increased online or over-the-phone communication with loved ones, Darcy wrote. But in some cases, relatives and friends share poor information, whether it is bad science related to how to prevent the virus, debunked rumors about cities being put on lockdown, or conspiracy theories about the origins of COVID-19. This is from Oliver Darcy. How he still has a job anywhere is beyond me. While any strain of misinformation is not ideally wrote, misinformation related to a public health crisis has an especially dangerous element to it. Darcy continued before declaring that bad information during a health, public health emergency poses a risk to those who fall victim to it. Darcy's admonition came as CNN was one of many mainstream outlets to declare the lab leak notion utterly preposterous. And I would argue Darcy contributed to, in a significant way, uh, the disinformation campaign. On February 18, 2020, CNN published a facts-first examination of claims made by Senator Tom Cotton, one of the early supporters of the lab leak theory. CNN insisted, quote, it's possible yet unlikely the lab was connected to the start of the outbreak, setting an infectious disease expert who said of the lab leak theory. I've seen no one provide any solid information to support that theory. Uh, it just jumped on me. I think at this point you can draw a line through it and say that it didn't happen. That's what the CNN facts first said. CNN anchor John Valls called Cotton's theory misinformation on air during a conversation with Dr. Fauci that year, who responded that, quote, theories that are not based on evidence and facts often can really mislead people. Now, Fauci, I want to get to him a little later, too. CNN headline from April 2020 reading, 
Nearly 30% in the U.S. believe a coronavirus theory that's almost certainly not true was based on a Pew Research poll taken at the time. Quote, its origin is up for debate, but it wasn't made in a lab, CNN reported. There's still much we don't know about the coronavirus pandemic, but virus experts agree on one piece of its origin story. The virus likely originated in a bat, not in a Chinese lab. On May 5, 2020, CNN published an analysis by Chris Saliza, who has since been laid off from the network, headlined, Anthony Fauci just crushed Donald Trump's theory in the origins of the coronavirus. The piece noted that Trump has been making the case the coronavirus originated not in nature, but in a lab in Wuhan, China, but insisted that Fauci's claim that the virus likely originated naturally was more accurate. Now, CNN is and was the propaganda machine for the Democrat Party and the Biden administration. It still is. And the fact that Oliver Darcy's still there proves the point, in my view. I had Nicholas Wade on Sunday's program, as I did two years ago, give or take. And he made it abundantly clear in the piece that he wrote that really all roads were leading to the lab and absolutely no evidence was ever provided about this bat-to-human jump, ever. I want you to listen to this from, from last night. Nicholas Wade on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Cut 22, go. You write this piece. It is thoroughly objective, as best as I can tell. It's totally understandable, even to the average journalist. You yourself have a journalism background. You've written on this topic of science for New York Times, Nature, Science Magazine. You've written books. You're an expert in the field. Just a yes or no. Were you invited to discuss this on CNN? Uh, I was once, yes, uh, by Smirconish. How about MSNBC? Uh, no, nothing from them. How about the New York Times? Uh, no, they were not interested. How about the Washington Post? Very simple. No. How about CBS, NBC, or ABC? Um, uh, no, nothing from them that I recall. How about PBS? Uh, no, I didn't hear from PBS. How about NPR? Uh, no, nothing from I'm NPR. just curious. Because my view is here, and you kind of mention it here, and you've mentioned it before, the absolute lack of curiosity by the media that was being spoon-fed this stuff by these two letters, these two letters that had really serious defects to them, uh, these grant proposals that you demonstrate uh, what they were for and what they were all about, the conclusion you reach here is we don't have a, a, enough evidence to say one way or another, but more, there's many more fingers that point to the lab, and there's no fingers that point to this jump there's still no fingers that point to this jump. Uh, and you've been in the media a long time. You strike me as a, as a very honest and earnest man, more on the technical side, not on the political side. But don't you find it amazing, other than this guy, Shmurkanish, that nobody was interested in talking to you? I mean, I read this thing and I immediately said, let's get a hold of this gentleman. I want to talk to him. I, I mean, the, the, the cause of the problem, I think, is that for reasons that I really don't understand, the issues become um, politicized. 
Um, so if you're a Republican, you favor lab leak. And if you're a Democrat, uh, you favor natural origin. Um, this seems so totally crazy to me. I just don't understand how it fell out that way. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, everyone should be interested just in the scientific facts. Uh, and it, has not, it should have nothing to do with politics. Uh, but the reaction to it was in the way you've just described. It, it was uh, uh, outlets on the, on the conservative uh, side of politics who uh, uh, approached me and, and I had a lot of interviews with, with Fox News and its affiliates um, uh, and almost nothing from uh, the, the Democratic leading um, side. So that's the way it was. And I, I just have no good explanation for it. And yet we now know why. Because Donald Trump believed that it leaked from the lab and Donald Trump was given enough intelligence information to draw his conclusion whether those agencies would agree to draw those conclusions or not. And I think they they still haven't to cover their own tails. Why? He explained on the program there was a grant proposal presented to the Department of Defense to do the gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab, and they turned it down, but they did get the funding, and they got funding in part from Fauci's operation. And this was the man who first reported on the grants, these public information through FOIA and so forth, that had taken place, which Fauci denied when he came under questioning from Rand Paul, who's done a hell of a good job up there. And um, complete 100% cover-up, even to this day. Why? Because if we all conclude that it came out of the lab, we would require retribution of some kind. We would require reparations, quote-unquote, of some kind. In other words, Biden is bought and paid for, and he does not want that confrontation. And yet the Chinese, communist Chinese, unleashed hell on earth. Now what role, if any, what role, if any, did Fauci play? Before I get to that, a friend of mine sent me this, my buddy Seton, from the Blaze Media, Chris Enlow, top health official asked when to deploy the new variant to force compliance with pandemic resti- restrictions. Leaked messages show this is no joke. Explosive text messages published on Sunday show a top British official colluded to, quote, frighten the pants off everyone, unquote, about COVID variants to force compliance with pandemic restrictions. I bet you haven't heard this today either in the so-called news operations. Less than a week before the British government withdrew plans to relax restrictions for Christmas 2020, Matt Hancock, who at the time served as the British Health Secretary, asked an aide when they should, quote, deploy the new variant, unquote. On December 13, 2020, Hancock and aide Damon Poole were discussing the possibility of London Mayor Sadiq Khan opposing a lockdown for London and how to encourage compliance with restrictions. Rather than doing too much forward signaling, which can roll pitch with the new strain, Poole told Hancock. Hancock responded, we frighten the pants off everyone with the new strain. Yep, that's what will get proper behavior change. And shockingly, the health minister then asked, when do we deploy the new variant? Poole responded that he'd been thinking about this and advised Hancock they needed to be more cautious, suggesting they keep schools off paperwork agenda 
perhaps referring to not applying new restrictions to schools. This is all in text messages. The day after those messages were exchanged, Hancock announced new lockdown measures justified by, you guessed it, a new alleged variant of COVID-19. So what's going on here? There was no new new variant. There was no new variant. And yet this senior official in the British government announced massive lockdown measures to justify a new variant that didn't exist. In fact, what Hancock said, the Minister of Health, Quote, this rise in transmission as well as the new variant of COVID should be a warning to us all that even after such a difficult year, we must stay vigilant. Now, these messages were revealed in more than 100,000 WhatsApp messages obtained and published by the Telegraph of Britain. This guy Hancock remains a member of Parliament, denounced the leak of his messages. And yet, look what he did. They all were invested in the lockdowns, in the bat-to-human natural jump in the virus. And the only network questioning this stuff wasn't CNN. They were in cover-up in anti-Trump mode. It wasn't MSNBC or NBC. It wasn't ABC or CBS. It wasn't the New York Times or the Washington Post. It was Fox So all the attacks on Fox by these phony, fraudulent, ideologically driven so-called news platforms. They carry the water for big government. They carry the water for totalitarianism. They carry the water for Democrats, even a guy like Biden. It doesn't matter. That's what we're up against. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Great Miranda Devine at the New York Post. New emails show Dr. Anthony Fauci commissioned scientific paper in February 2020 to disprove the Wuhan lab leak theory. New emails uncovered by House Republicans probing the COVID-19 pandemic reveal the deceptive nature of Dr. Anthony Fauci. They show he prompted or commissioned and had final approval on a scientific paper written specifically in February 2020 to disprove the theory that the virus leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. Eight weeks later, Fauci stood at the White House press conference alongside President Trump and cited that paper as evidence that the lab leak theory was implausible while pretending it had nothing to do with him and he had not known the authors. There was a study recently told reporters on April 17, 2020, when asked if the virus could have come from a Chinese lab, where a group of highly qualified evolutionary virologists looked at the sequences in bats as they evolve and the mutations that it took to get to the point where it's now, it's totally consistent with a jump of species from an animal to a human. So the paper will be available. I don't have the authors right now, but we can make it available to you. That paper tilted the approximate titled The Proximate Origin of SARS-CoV-2, was sent to Fauci for editing in draft form, and again for final approval before it was published in Nature Medicine. It's written four, hour, four days after Fauci and his NHI, 
excuse me, I'm having trouble reading. And his NIH boss, Dr. Francis Collins, held a call with the four authors to discuss reports that COVID-19 may have leaked from the Wuhan lab, may have been intentionally genetically manipulated. The House Oversight Subcommittee published email Sunday in which the paper's co-author, Dr. Krishnan Anderson, admits Fauci prompted him to write the paper with the goal to disprove the lab theory. And yet, you know how much evidence exists to support the natural jump from bat to humans? Zero. Absolutely nothing. And that's why I had... Nicholas Wade on the program again this past Sunday. I hope you saw it. There is no evidence of any kind. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Just released surveillance footage from January 6th shows two Capitol Police officers escorting Jacob Chansley, the behorned so-called QAnon shaman, who's come to symbolize the riot through the halls of the Capitol to the very door of the U.S. Senate. This is from the New York Post. The footage aired on Tucker Carlson's show shows the officers closely following Chansley as he wanders the corridors of the Capitol. And... Uh, bare-chested and wearing face paint and a luxuriant fur hat with Viking horns. Virtually every moment of this time inside the Capitol was caught on tape, Carlson said, and he was right. The tape showed the Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. And it goes on. My question is this. Was this information ever presented in open court, or was it not available to the defense? Because this seems to me to be clear-cut. Clear-cut. They didn't apprehend the guy. They didn't arrest the guy. They were walking him to the Capitol floor. I guess it was the Senate floor. Or the House floor, it doesn't much matter. I think it was the Senate. They walked him to there. And it's all on video. That's the first thing. The second thing is, also covered here by the New York Post, is the footage shows Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick uninjured on January 6th. They say Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick still is described as a victim of January 6th, murdered by Trump supporters, riding at the Capitol, despite an autopsy report which shows he died of a stroke the following day. It's from the New York Post. New York Times initially reported that Sicknick had been beaten to death with a fire extinguisher, and they weren't the only ones. CNN, the rest of them, picked up on it, before retracting the claim more than a month later. To this day, media accounts claimed Sicknick was slain, quote-unquote, on January 6th. Powerful Democrats, Biden, Harris, Pelosi, of course, the entire media continue to cite his death as evidence of a deadly insurrection of the Capitol. But this videotape, never seen before, shows Officer Sicknick walking through the building 
quote, after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. Sicknick, as I understand it, had voted for Trump. And he died the next day of a stroke. Um, Strokes typically don't just happen. They happen, they build over a period of time, that sort of thing. So, uh, he, what, he didn't die from violence and so forth. And the, apparently the January 6th committee examined the same footage of a healthy sicknick walking around the Capitol after the violence ended, but they didn't want to reveal that information. It just shows you you cannot trust what, what the media do out there. It's really, it's really disgusting. It's unbelievable. I mean, Fauci helps get this thing going and then cites the, the report that he helps to support. It's, you just have to be a skeptic. You already are, but you just have to, have to blow off these people, not put them on your TVs, not put them on your radio. One other thing I want to get to for the program ends, and this is very important, from the Daily Mail. China increases its military budget by 7.1% to boost combat preparedness for major tasks, quote-unquote, amid fears it will launch an invasion of Taiwan. China plunges another $230 billion in its military budget, quote, to boost combat preparedness. Now, $230 billion spent in China is like spending... Uh, $500 billion in the United States. The reverse is a two-decade trend where China's prioritized economic growth over defense, and concerns are mounting that China is set to launch an invasion at Taiwan. This is the Daily Mail. It means China's military spending will grow at its fastest pace in four years and take up a larger share of its economy marking the reversal of a two-decade trend which has seen the nation prioritize growth over its military capabilities. Defense expenditures will increase by 7.2% in 2023 way ahead of the 5.7% increase in general public expenditures. We don't, we don't have increases even close to this. As I've said to you folks before, under Reagan, the average percentage of the gross domestic product spent on defense was 5.7%. Today it's 2.7%. It's more than half. More than half less, if that makes sense. And so what are we going to do in response? If we do nothing, this is a war we're going to lose. In his work report to the annual session of Parliament, Lee, the head of the military, said, Our armed forces, with a focus on the goals for the centenary of the People's Liberation Army in 2027, should work to carry out military operations, boost combat preparedness, and enhance military capabilities. And I don't hear us doing that. And I'm very concerned about it. Mr. Producer, do we have any great Americans calling in, or do we have irregular Americans? Let's talk to some regulars. We don't have any irregulars, apparently. Go ahead. Staten Island, Gary, the great WABC. Go! Yeah. Oh, thank you, Mark. Uh... 
uh, President Reagan, uh, President Trump on the weekend, of course, spoke at CPAC. He made a very important speech, I would say, uh, stressing how he wants to stop or prevent uh, World War III. And uh, he's uh, been touching on this theme repeatedly of late. And I wanted to hear what you thought about uh, President uh, Trump, who I voted for twice, and will vote for again, Trump 24, stop the war. Yeah, no, he didn't say stop the war per se. What he, he said he would bring an end to it. Now, when Trump says something like that, he doesn't mean surrender. He doesn't mean like Afghanistan at the end. He doesn't mean he's just going to drop Ukraine. He means he's going to he's going to put the uh, the muscle to Putin, who he said also during the speech he got along with, as well as against uh, Zelensky. But you can't point to any any situation anywhere around the world when he was president where he just withdrew and let hell let hell take over. He never did that. He wouldn't do that. He once told me that uh, we're never going to lose Taiwan on my watch. That's what he told me. So in order to answer your question, he's not reinforcing the pacifist argument or the or the argument is that we should not be involved in it. He's, he's never taken that position. He didn't say that. What he says is, I'll bring it to an end. I'll get us out of there, but I'll bring it to an end. In a day. And that's why when he see, saw the end of what happened in Afghanistan, he said, yeah, we were getting out, but not that way. That's not the way we were doing it. So I, I have no problem with that. If he can pull it off. And the irony is, he made NATO stronger than NATO was when people were saying he was going to get us out of NATO. No, he knows how to negotiate. And he said... Also during the speech on sun, on uh, what was it, sun, Saturday, he also said that the NATO needs to spend more money on helping Ukraine. I've said that here behind this microphone. He's exactly right. And under him, they would. But not with Biden. Biden rolls over. Trump does not. That's the difference. All right, my friend. Thank you for your excellent call. Let's go on to the next, please. Yeah. Michael in Butler, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark, how are you? Good, so how are you, sir? I was, uh, my comment, good. Um, oh, just real quick, I am a Pure Talk customer because I heard about them on your radio show, and I'm a very, very happy Pure Talk customer. They're really great. Um, I mean, comment, I, I, I didn't pay you to say that. They just are. Anyway, go right ahead. But, um, but thank you for that. Um, so my comment is this, is why in these videos that Mr. Carlson is showing um, about the January 6th, uh, quote-unquote, insurrection, if these Capitol Police officers were helping to facilitate these, quote-unquote, insurrectionists into the Capitol building, why were they not charged along with the people who were going into the Capitol building? That's what I want to know. Well, that's a good question. I just think the better issue is, were these video tapes made available to the defendants? And I believe the answer is no. And in the case of the, uh, of the guy with the horns and all the rest of it, 
his lawyer should get right back into court, take those clips right off of Fox. He should demand a punishment for the prosecutors and investigators in the case. And he should demand that his uh, client be immediately uh, removed from prison and that the matter be dropped in terms of the government's charges against him. The prosecution, if they have evidence of innocence or of of material consequence in a case and they withhold it, uh, they can be disbarred. And so if I'm that guy's lawyer, that's what I'm doing. And if I'm the lawyer for many of these other January 6th defendants who were not violent but were walking through the building and so forth, we've seen some of the video, but now there's more. Um, Again, I would do that too. You can't be trespassing or parading illegally on government property if the Capitol Police officers are waving you through. It's just not possible. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Great question. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. How is it that Antifa commits all these acts of violence at domestic terrorist groups against police and against others? And um, they get very little attention in the media. Passing a glancing blow, maybe that's about it. And one of the lawyers that was arrested for attacking this site in Atlanta that they're trying to build as a police training center, uh, one of the people charged out of 23 is a Southern Poverty Law Center lawyer charged with domestic terrorism. Now, the Southern Poverty Law Center... Uh, in many ways, was sort of a corrupt organization with its money. That's why they they got rid of its infamous leader. And yet it's relied on still by the Democrats and the media for attacking Christians, conservatives, among others. That's just appalling. Well, it's only Monday, but this Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Live In, among others, we're going to have one of two guests, Benjamin Hall. Because I think his story is important. All the attacks by CNN and MSNBC and the Times and all the rest. Here's a Fox reporter that almost lost his life, and I didn't know all of it. He lost a leg. Did you know he lost a leg, Mr. Producer? He lost the use of, his, of one of his hands. He lost the eye, his eyesight in one eye during a deadly Russian bomb blast in Ukraine, writes the Daily Mail. And uh, he definitely is incredibly lucky to be alive. Um, He put out a montage showing his ups and downs of recovery. At the start of the video, military service people were seen transporting him on an aircraft while dancing in the background because they saved him. Other photos featured FaceTime calls with his wife and three daughters, his journey through physical therapy, the moment he returned home to celebrate his 40th birthday. And January Hall returned to the air 10 months after narrowly surviving the attack. They killed two of his colleagues. They were under Russian barrage of shells. 
Veteran Fox cameraman Pierre Zakazowski, 55-year-old Irishman, and local Ukrainian journalist Alessandro Kushabnova, 24, were killed. And uh, so we're going to have Benjamin Hall on Life, Liberty, and Levin this coming Sunday. Uh, he's a very, very brave young man. Uh, and he is uh, doing everything he can on rehab and so forth. So I want to talk to him. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, the men and women, our truckers, men and women in Taiwan and Ukraine, the freedom fighters, and most of all, you. You. 